Action. Let me tell you something, kid. Everybody gets one chance to do something great. Most people never take the chance, either because they're too scared or they don't recognize it when it spits on their shoes. This is your big chance, and you shouldn't let it go by. I mean, you remember when you busted the guts out of the ball the other day? Someone's telling you something, kid. And if I was you, I'd listen. Yeah. But what? <laughs> You're the one with the rubber legs. Figure it out. Henry Aaron. I don't know why, but can I have this kid? Sure, yeah. Thanks. Wait. You're saying I should hop over that fence and pickle the beast? Think about that, kid. I'll see you later. Remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid. You never go wrong. Welcome to Real Talk, a movie podcast, where we want to be your go-to source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films. I am your host, Wes Jones, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, this is Tommy, podcasting straight from Nashville, Tennessee. The Movie Buddy Conway, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. So please sit back and try to relax as we're about to get you into the biggest pickle any of you have ever seen. This is Episode 7. You're killing me, Smalls. The Sandlot. Enjoy the show. We are back, and tonight is Episode 7. I am your host, Wes Jones, and welcome, Real Talk, a movie podcast listeners. We've got a great show planned for you tonight. And usually this time of year, baseball season is going on, but with the world being upside down like it is and baseball isn't being played, we thought we would get into a little baseball movie. And we're going to be talking not only one of the best baseball movies, but one of the best sports movies of all time, 1993's The Sandlot. So let's bring in our other hosts. And guys, how's your week been going? Man, Wes, it's been good. Glad to be back on air. Glad to be talking about some sports. I know we've been missing it. And uh, even though we can't be participating in it or watching it, uh, we can at least talk about some sports movies. So I'm really excited to get into this. Yeah, I mean, my week's going great. I saved a turtle this week. So I am, uh, you know, I feel like I'm on top. So what you, you saved a turtle. Was it crossing the road or tell us no. about these heroics? Well, my wife, um, so my, me, I found my son a turtle and my wife wanted to get rid of it. And I stood up for the turtle. Like I told you guys a little bit ago, I don't want any bad karma in case I've run into a Ninja turtle in my life. So <laughs> I, you know, I mean, she wanted to basically free this domesticated turtle. And I was like, I mean, that's not freeing it. That's just Gabe. Gabe, let me jump in here. Did you not learn anything from Jurassic Park? Like this episode, you can't mess with mother nature, man. 
you gotta let Mother Nature do its thing, and you're messing with it. That turtle belongs out there. That nature, and then Mother Nature will decide its fate. <laughs> I actually don't think he does. I think that he ha- he requires humans to feed him because he's been taught that his whole life. He had nail polish on him when I found him. But that's Mother Nature deciding, then it's not fit. You know, we've got you got to let. I can't believe that you're going against Jurassic Park and especially Dr. Malcolm from last week's episode. If I walk across Michelangelo in real life, I don't want any bad beef. You know, I've seen what he can do with the nunchuck. I think you're safe on that. I don't think. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, I'm busting your bubble right here. You're safe. You're good. (laughs) Agree to disagree. (laughs) All right, fair. That's fair. All right. So over the past few weeks, um, we've been really busy as a podcast, and we're very grateful for that. So I just wanted to let our audience know what we've been up to in between episodes. So a couple weeks ago, we put out our Jurassic Park episode, which we had a great response. I want to thank our listeners so incredibly much for the support. And I also want to shout out Chris and Kyle Rowe, who have been loving the show, and they're actually expecting their first child later this year. So we want to say a big congratulations from the podcast. Definitely. Yeah, shout out to them because, Wes, I believe they've been watching. They went through all the Jurassic Park movies also, kind of coinciding with our uh, release of that episode. Yeah, they've been listening to our episodes and then the movies that we're talking about, they go and watch the movies afterwards and, and, and interact with us. And I mean, that's that's really the whole reason, like we've said in the past, that we wanted to do the podcast is for those reasons. So just wanted yeah. to shout that out. Definitely, and who yeah. knows, maybe they'll name their child Real Talk Movie Podcast. I think it's in the, I think it's in the running game. I heard Chris say it's in the top three. Yeah, he said it was down to like Adam and Real Talk Movie. Podcast. Real Talk. But, you know, well, we don't want to, you know, tell them what to do, how to name their child, but I, I know how we would vote. Well, it's yeah. kind of, I don't know, Macaulay Culkin really did that in real life. He said, okay, I want my Twitter followers to help me decide what my middle name is going to be. Oh. And, and the winning name was Macaulay Culkin. So his new name is Macaulay, oh Macaulay Culkin, Culkin. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, though, what? One thing I don't understand about this, he's like got to be like 40 years old. Didn't he already have a middle name? Oh, he did, but he, he, he decided he was going to change it. Ah, interesting. Wow. What are the other ones? Like, where's the – wasn't one of them Macaulay, where's the beef, Culkin? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, I thought it was um, the McRib is back. Oh, the, it was. Oh. It was Macaulay, the McRib is back, Culkin. <laughs> This probably tells you everything you want to know about why his career has been in the toilet for the past 20 years. <laughs> he does these I, type of things. I did take, so a couple things I'm ashamed of. I did watch Bird Box, and I did take the time to to fill out on the Twitter poll on his middle name. And, um, I, cho- and I chose Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin. I, that's, I did too, actually, and that's what I... That's what I chose. And I'm glad he's a man of his word and changed his middle name. Guys, I didn't even know about this, but now I'm glad I do. Yeah. Well, as we normally do, we're already off the rails, so I'll try to get us back on track here. But uh, so over the past couple of weeks, like I said, since our release of the Jurassic Park episode, we've been pretty busy. We joined the Back in Time podcast on episode 166 of their show to discuss the top five movies of 1993 and hung out with Kyle and JD a little bit. We then joined Hoosier Heartland on their Friday, May 12th 
show to discuss the sports classic Hoosiers and also our top five sports films of all time. And that show is ran by twin brothers Robbie and Ben Malcolmson, plus their host, Kathy Chong. Then finally, earlier this week, I joined the Land of the Creeps podcast to talk about local haunted places from around each host's area. And so, of course, I had to rep the state of Kentucky and talked about some hauntings in Louisville, Franklin, and right here in Bowling Green. So, guys, after such a busy couple of weeks, I just want to turn it over to you for just a minute and just tell the listeners a little bit about your experience on the other shows and, and just your takeaways. Yeah, I would just say that I had a lot of fun, you know, participating in those different podcasts. It was good to kind of get a different perspective, kind of different layout and talk about some different things that we hadn't planned on talking about and just interacting with different podcast hosts. Like you said, everybody was so welcoming, so inviting. And I think both shows, we just had a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs. And I think we just talked about the movies we love, which is ultimately what I like to do on here is just to talk about the things and the movies that we've enjoyed. And I thought we, uh, you know, had that had that fun with them. Gabe, any thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm glad that we got to force their listener base to listen to us talk for two hours because <laughs> I try to force as many people to Both listen tops. to me. Yeah, two times. And the you know, the people on the podcast had to listen to us talk for two hours. So, yeah. you know, I was glad to have that happen. Um, I enjoyed talking about free Willie. Um <laughs> on, on I had, I had a good time. time. No negatives. Yeah. On back in time, yeah, Gay, has been talking about it for a long time. He's been, he's going to want to talk about Free Willy a lot, and he finally got to do it. Well, we would, we would love it uh, if our listeners would go and check out those episodes, help support those podcasts who are such gracious hosts, and it also give you just a little bit more real talk uh, content. So let's get into our theme discussion tonight, and T Man, you can elaborate a little bit more on this, but. T-Man made the comment on the Back in Time podcast that the early 90s was such a great time for low-budget, family-friendly sports films, which, of course, we'll be talking tonight. And and in many ways, these movies just aren't being made today. So, T-Man, I'll, I'll just turn it over uh, to you a little bit since this was your thought. Yeah, and I appreciate that, Wes. And it's, it's what we started talking about in the Back in Time podcast about um, you know this early 90s era, an era that we grew up in, that they just had a lot of really fun um, sports movies focused on children or really, really family friendly. And I'll kind of go through some of these movies real quickly. So you've got movies such as The Mighty Ducks, Rudy, Little Giants, Cool Runnings, um, of course, The Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, The Air Up There, um, even Airbud, I mean, we can go back to that. Huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> so there, Space Jam. And oh yes, yeah, Space Jam. Space Jam probably, yeah. I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting. And it, it just seems like when we were growing up that these were kind of the movies that we all flocked to as children. And of course, we were all very sports centric also. And it just seemed like Hollywood really made these quite a lot. They were all, like I said, all family friendly. Most of them pg rated and nowadays you don't get those at all really like i can't even think of the last family-friendly sports film that was like a wide theatrical release you know they kind of just started dying out in the early 2000s i think what's happened is that these four quadrant blockbusters you know the comic book movies um you know all these big huge blockbusters are now basically the children's movies you know it used to be where you would have adult movies 
and children movies. Now you just have one type of film, which everybody goes to. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I mean, that can be great. We all love these huge blockbusters. But in a way, we've kind of lost something because now you don't really have just kids' movies. Unless it's an animated film, you don't get these live-action kids' movies, especially not sports movies. So what are your all's thoughts on that and kind of your, uh, when you think back of that time period in those sports films? Well, I mean, you just named four of my top 50 movies in the, in those grouping. I'm, I'm sad they're not out there anymore. I don't know why. Who doesn't love going quack, quack, quack? <laughs> right. Mighty Ducks. Who didn't have a play named the, uh, the statue of, um, Arge- what is that thing from Little Giants? I Three statues of Argentina or the the annexation of Puerto Rico. See, I was so close. Annexation what, of Puerto guys, Rico. We all we had got, that play. We got to quit trying to do that play. <laughs> yeah, that's the second time we've messed it up. Uh, but no, team, and I think you're you're absolutely right on that. And I I had not thought of it. But really, the last movie that was kind of a, a kid's sports movie that I remember making waves, and I was already a little bit older when this came out, but it was uh, Bend It Like Beckham. Yep, that's another that's one. That's the last there. one that I that I remember, and I think it was early 2000s whenever that came out, and I was kind of already I was already out of that that age group, uh, although I still appreciate the film. Really good, but yeah. I mean, I have a son; he's 18 months old. And I'm not going to force sports down his throat or, or anything, but I am looking forward to where he can start to understand a little bit uh, more about sports and these movies. And I really think that a lot of these, I won't, I won't say a lot, I will say several of them kind of withstand the test of time. And they're always good, fun, family-friendly ch- uh, kids' movies that you can show kids today and... Uh, and, and they still enjoy uh, my little cousin. He is eight years old and I showed him mighty ducks and he had never seen it before. And he, he loved it. He was glued to the TV, you know, as we, as we were watching it one night and I, I do, I just miss this era and miss this time. And I'm really glad that we got to, that we're going to do the sandlot tonight just to kind of honor uh, these films. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, that they hold up really well, and that new audiences are discovering them, and they're loving them. And another thing about these movies that I've always appreciated is kind of two facets to them. One is that they're very, I guess, a lot of them are kind of inspirational, or you kind of get that inspiring feeling out of them. Think of a film like Rudy, or even Cool Runnings, you know, that Jamaican mm-hmm. bobsled team where it was a true story in that element. So you get that element, which I really enjoy. And some of them even teach you, like, life lessons, you could even argue. You know, like I said, Rudy is all about persevering through uh, all of these obstacles in life, so you can learn things about uh, just different life aspects. And I think in sports films are so unique, because you can put a lot of different types of themes within the sports film, even though it is a sports film. And a lot of these movies do that really well. And so, like you said, Wes, it's just, uh, we really do miss this type of film. I think I wish Hollywood would kind of try to make these more often. I love a movie when you, when you're having fun and you're learning something, you know, it's like a two in one type deal. Well, but you didn't learn anything from Jurassic Park. We've already established that. That was a movie you can have fun and then also learn, you know, learn that you, about you science. Don't, that's right. And Gabe, you just you missed the lesson. I I'm playing God with the turtle. 
I would go to Jurassic Park if it opened up. I I missed the entire. (laughs) I would say that that was probably the main lesson is don't go to a dinosaur park if it opens up. I did not learn the lesson. I'll be there opening day. Opening day, Gabe's never one in line with your turtle. Yeah, my turtle. (laughs) So last week, uh, our our last episode, Gabe brought up that every now and then, you know, we'll have little creative differences about the uh, the podcast. And so I I did want to ask Gabe something because we had we were down to two movies that we were going to do for this uh, this episode. The first one was Rookie of the Year and of course the second one was The Sandlot. And I ran a Twitter poll just to say, okay, what's the best kids movie, kids sports film of all time? And we got not a ton of votes, but we got enough. Enough people interacted. The Sandlot got 73% of the vote. It was up against Bad News Bears, the original. It was up against the Mighty Ducks. It was up against Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year got zero votes. 73% went to the Sandlot. And so I'm at work, and uh, I get a notification that says that there's been a post in our Real Talk Facebook community. I'm like, okay, let's see what Gabe's got going on. So I go out there and he asks our audience, what would you want to see or, or hear about on the next episode, Rookie of the Year or The Sandlot? And Gabe, I'll let you take it away from here. Well, I mean, creative differences is might maybe a mild term. You know, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to, you know, allude to that later on. But, um, you know, we did also have another poll on Facebook. I asked about my Jurassic Park lever. And somebody spoke up, if you'll notice, and said, that lever, there better be a lever on this episode, and it better be earlier on in the episode. Did anybody what? else read that? Are we still on that thing? What do you mean, still on that thing? I, <laughs> I thought that was over. I thought I didn't know it was coming back. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was buried. I Gabe thought we buried it far deep down. Well, he completely went around just, the question and is now talking about his lever. <laughs> I truly not even answered. He's just talking about that damn lever. <laughs> let, let, let's, let's, you know, so I, you know, being a man that, you know, has to listen to his fans, I, I, I decided I'm going to make a lever that only I can use because it's at my house for this episode. And when I pull it, it, you know, it, it uh, spits out Hamilton uh, Porter insults. You know, that if you guys don't know, Hamilton Porter's the catcher in Sandlot, and his uh-huh. favorite thing to do is yell insults at the batters while they're batting. And so this lever, I'll only pull it like two or three times, but my fan demanded it, so and I am going to say... How are we going to know when you pull this lever? Well, I'll say lever. The Great Bambino! And then you'll, you'll know that the lever was pulled. <laughs> oh. Um... Uh, okay, I'm, I'm glad I have a final cut rights for the for these episodes as I'm going through and doing Lever. the editing. Now, if my dog was as ugly as you, I'd shave his butt and tell him to walk backwards. <laughs> we'll just see if that if any of this stuff makes it. Okay. Um, so anyway, what I what I I love Rookie of the Year. I don't know why fans didn't like Rookie of the Year. And I felt really ostracized that me and T-Man were the only ones on the Facebook poll that picked Rookie of the Year. really ridiculous. I don't understand it a bit. No, Zach. Zach Simpson, one of our other friends, voted for Rookie of the Year, but that was about it. I mean, I thought I knew America. And America loves Sandlot. 
I do love Sandlot. Don't get me wrong, but who doesn't love the best Salisbury steak they ever had being on a plane? <laughs> who doesn't yeah. like throwing water balloons at people in the street? Who doesn't like an arm that cranks up and then throws the fastest pitch in the world? Who doesn't like hot ice? Who I agree. Who does not like hot ice? You know what? I feel like hot ice because nobody voted for the rookie of the year. Well, I know what I, I was talking about what we've been doing these past couple of weeks, and I know what you two have been doing. You've been digging out of the avalanche of Sandlot votes that just came raining down on yeah, top of you. It was a total beatdown. I didn't expect it. It came out of nowhere. I'm still recovering from it. And don't get me wrong, I, I've always loved the Sandlot. I remember watching it as a kid, but Rookie of the Year is like my favorite kids. One of my favorite, really, it's up there for probably my favorite kid sports movie and i was really expecting it to be pretty close and you know hopefully the rookie of the year could pull it out and it just didn't happen and i'm still like you said i'm just i'm recovering from it so yeah me too you know that's all i really have to say but I, i've been thinking about how i could put my stamp on this episode you know I, my fans demanded after last episode's great idea about the ending of jurassic park so you know, I thought about it, guys. I ran track in college, so I feel like the rest of this episode, you should call me Buddy the Jet Conway. <laughs> Buddy the Jet Conway. Because it's right. Buddy the Jet Rodriguez in Sandlot, so I, I'm just going to change you. my name to Buddy the Jet Conway. And if it doesn't work out, I can always pull the lever more times. Right. I, I, let's go with that I'll, name. Yeah, I like we'll, the name We'll call idea. you that. We'll call you yeah. that. Buddy the Jet Conway, I like it. You, what, you're going to call me so I don't say the word lever? Yeah. Yes. We're trying, yes. Okay. If you want to change your, I'm all for it. All right. Fine, buddy. The Jet Conway. All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll come back on the other side with Buddy the Jet Conway and T Man to discuss the Sandlot. Hey, listeners. I wanted to tell you about another great podcast called the Back in Time Podcast. I've been a listener now for a couple of years, and Kyle and JD have put together a fun, laid-back podcast where they talk about your favorite movies and songs in a unique format. Also, you can find them on Twitter at BackInTimePod. Alright, let's talk about The Sandlot, the whole reason we're here tonight. And I do want to remind the audience that we are, if you have not seen the movie, this is the time where you want to pause the episode, go check out The Sandlot, and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode because we are going to get into spoilers. That's the, what we do over here. We, we spoil every movie that we do. So hopping right into The Sandlot. The Sandlot is a 1993 film written and directed by David Mickey Evans and was inspired by the real-life story of his brother who was trying to impress some older kids playing baseball by jumping over a fence to retrieve a home run ball only to be bitten by a large dog named Hercules. And the reason why I wanted to mention the director is he's actually the narrator of the film, and I really like this as an artistic choice. To me, he really has the perfect voice for this film as the older version of Scotty looking back on his childhood. 
And I just feel that that voice is a big character in the movie. And maybe I'm just getting a little bit too excited about the voice, but I don't know what you guys think. But I do. I really feel like he did a great, a great no, no, I agree with like a character in the movie. Right. No, I always liked his voice. It's just it just fits for some reason. And it's just like a like I don't know. It's hard to even explain of why his voiceover works so well. But I remember always watching it and always liking kind of how it fits the dynamics together. Um, even though he does talk about getting into pickles a lot, and yes. I'm sure we'll we'll get into that in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely go into. I feel like I just found out. This is like last or a week ago when I found out Danny Elfman uh, did uh, the songs in Nightmare Before Christmas. So, I mean, my mind's just exploding. You're How is that one of your favorite movies and you didn't know that? <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I don't read. I just because I like a movie, I don't read about it. I mean, uh, yeah. I can just I, enjoy the movie. You know, I think that is my more my thing, and and that probably means I need to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> so the plot synopsis for the Sandlot, I, I pulled it from IMDb, and this is what it says. It says in the summer of 1962, Scott Smalls. A new kid in town is taken under the wing of a young baseball prodigy, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, and his rowdy team, resulting in many summer adventures. So before we get too far into the movie, I just want to ask you guys, what just what are some of your initial thoughts when you think about the Sandlot? And what's what did you feel on your latest time revisiting the movie? Yeah, I, I've always thought, like, because we've watched as kids, of course, but every time you watch it, it always just reminds you of that era in your life where the most important thing was going outside and playing sports with your neighborhood mm -hmm. friends. I think we all had that. I grew up in a big neighborhood with lots of kids around, Wes. I know you did. Gabe, I believe you did also, where, you know, there you'd always go outside and play with your friends in the neighborhood. And it just always takes me back to that time, which is always just a stress-free, you don't know, have the real world, you know, kind of always in your mind, and you just go out there and have fun. And I think this movie is one of the best movies that goes into that feeling and goes mm -hmm. to that, that time of your life. Because also, there's not a lot of movies that kind of has this type of plot you're just going out there playing sports with your friends i can't really think of any off the top of my head that's kind of like this that talks about that era so that's that's kind of the first things that always come to my mind with it i mean with me i can tell you i this movie is a hard watch for me because i relate to him i got in a lot of pickles as a kid as you can imagine <laughs> There was the time I still snuck are. out and still it, are and I, getting those pickles. You know, there was the time I snuck out in the snow and my parents knew because I left tracks, you know, because <laughs> of snow and I was How an did idiot. You, did you not realize you were leaving? Never mind. Never mind. There, yeah. I mean, there's, I can, I'm not even going to do this on the podcast because I don't <laughs> want to go into all the pickles that I've gotten into, but it's a hard watch for me because I feel him. I feel like that's something I could do, and I would be so scared of my dad. And so as soon as he hits the ball over there, like I'm always just like, oh, man, he's in so I'll much trouble. It right. And it just freaks me out. So, you know, that's what I felt, Wes. This is like a horror movie for Gabe. Gabe like everybody <laughs> else is like, this is a comedy. Gabe's like, oh, God, I can't I have watch flashbacks. this. Right. His name is Buddy the Jet Rodriguez. Ah, Our buddy, the Jet Conway. Sorry, that's it. Don't worry, I'll I'll pull my lever more later on. So I'm gonna expand just a little bit about what T Man was saying because 
it is that era of your childhood and it's a really it's a it's a, a beautiful story of kind of the geeky kid or loner kid or unpopular kid that is kind of finding his place in the world and i think for that reason that story is evergreen and team and you brought it up you know you're talking about the 90s whenever you grew up in you know the neighborhood playing with friends this story is set in the 60s and it's the same thing the um, technology the way people dress all that changes decade to decade but that type of feeling stays the same and I think that the movie, uh, it, it really shows that. And I think that the movie has moved out of the nostalgic and into the classic territory for me. And it made my top five uh, movies from 1999 that we did on Back in Time podcast. It made my top five sports movies that we did on Who's Your Heartland. And I gave this example on both shows. But the movie reminds me so much of growing up in Westview Heights, which is lower middle class neighborhood in Franklin, Kentucky. We had a large field in the middle of that neighborhood, which seemingly the entire neighborhood was was built around it. There was a lot of younger couples that lived in the neighborhood, which meant a lot of kids. So my childhood was literally something out of these types of movies, you know, that kids on bikes setting. And we, of course, we played all kinds of sports in that field. Baseball, home run derby, football. We built tree forts. We got into fights. We got into trouble. We even tried to have to avoid hitting the ball into a neighbor's yard where this really grumpy old man lived who always thought we were going to ruin his garden. And aside from that fact, I just think the movie's really funny. And my childhood helped condition me to identify with and love this film. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And another point you raised, Wes, about how it, it goes from the 60s to the 90s. And even today, though, you know, one thing that you can say about that is while times change, technology changes, kids don't change. Kids are always the same. Kids are always just kids. And mm -hmm. it's the world may change around them. Technology has a big influence on that, of course, and how they interact with that. But ultimately, kids are always the same. And I think that's why this movie is so timeless is it can be set in the 60s. Kids could watch today and can relate to that. Literally we just last night at my house, there's a field right behind my house, and they mowed a baseball diamond into the field and kids nice. were out there playing baseball. Now, that's my kids awesome. were going to bed, or we would have been down there too, because that's <laughs> the one universal, you know, thing. Everybody, you know, kids aren't going to change. They're always going to love baseball. So that's why I think that it's great. Well, I just moved into a, a little bit older neighborhood here in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and we live now at the end of, in, in a cul-de-sac, and we've got houses all around. And as I'm moving in, there's I've got uh, a young couple that lives next door. They've got quite a few kids. The neighbors have kids. The neighbors up the street have kids, and all those kids play together. They're playing basketball. They're running around in the yard. We've got a little park that's close. They're going out to the park. And it just reminds me so much of growing up. And again, it's just that same setting of this movie. And so it's just it watching the movie again really takes me back to that time. And I think that's why I love it so much. Yeah, and I think anybody can relate to this movie because we've all been kids. You know, you've all grown up in that where you remember that those experiences, those feelings. And I think that's why these type of movies uh, hold up so well is because we all can think back to that time in our lives. 
and you can turn on this movie and just kind of be transported right back to it. Don't have to think back. Still am a kid. Okay. <laughs> Jay, still. All right. Yeah, that's true. Stop lying to me about Ninja Turtles. Let's move on. So the, the movie stars, it's got a lot of child actors, and we'll get to them in a minute. We've got Marley Shelton that plays Wendy. We've got Karen Allen playing the mom. We've got Dennis Leary playing, in my opinion, one of the most unlikable uh, father figures in kids' movies. And then we've got James Earl Jones playing Mr. Myrtle. So what do you guys think about the supporting adult cast that we have here? It's, I mean, it's not bad, really, for, for this type of film. Which doesn't have a huge budget. I'm with you, Wes. I, Des Lehrer always scared me as a kid. I'm like, man, he does not seem nice at all. And then Karen Allen, of course. I think a lot of movie fans remember her from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, what I love about it is at the end, they've been kind of holding their ace, uh, ace in the cards, you know. And they bring out James Earl Jones, of course, a legend unto himself, toward, to the very end to kind of, uh, you know, be the finale part of it. So for a kid's movie, it, it does have kind of that good supporting cast that you want to have. I want to pause and talk about how Dennis Leary is the worst dad ever. There's a scene in the very beginning of the movie where he basically ask his dad he was like you want to you know you said you would teach me to play catch and he goes yep and then there's an awkward pause where he doesn't like follow up with uh yeah let's do it tuesday or let's go out right now well he i mean leaves, he, he just he says answered, yep. Gabe, he answered the question he didn't say when are we going he said what, uh, you said he said yeah he, he answered it he, he just, <laughs> His kid's just left there, and then there's and there's like a five-second <laughs> silence. His kid's like waiting for him to be like, okay, uh, Tuesday, now, anything other than an awkward silence, and then the dad just walks off. What dad does that? Well, he's a stepdad, and you know, they've got to kind of put that in there, and that's where they're, they're kind of using that. Yeah, they're, they're kind of showing that where it's like, you know, stepdad's got that, um, there is that... People think that stepdads can be mean, and that's what they're going for there. But he kind of lightens up at the end. He's, he's not mean. He's disresponsive. He doesn't answer a child's question. Who does that? Dennis anyway. Leary. Dennis yeah, Leary this, does. Yeah, I mean, that's what you hire him for. <laughs> I love the rest of the supporting cast. It, it does really set up, though, that I, I don't think that you're supposed to like him a lot because I think whenever the home run ball does go over – you're you're supposed to feel that same anxiety that the character's feeling, and and you really do because you're like, man, this dude is not very nice. He's gonna be pissed. Right. Yeah. So I it, think it, it helps that. Yeah, I think exactly. That's exactly what they're going for there. You don't want him to be nice because that's why he's so scared. That's why he he knows he has to get that ball back. So the Sandlot was originally titled The Boys of Summer, but the name had to be changed as there's already a famous baseball book with that name. It was released on April 7th of 1993 and wound up pulling in $34 million during its box office run on a $7 million budget. But it also had a lot of legs on home video where it wound up as honestly one of the most popular sports films of of all time. So let's just let's get into some key scenes of the movie. Again, uh, we're not going to go through every single scene. I know some podcasts will do that. We just want to talk about the the key scenes of the movie. So let's just start off with just the introduction to Scotty Smalls. So what what are your guys' first impressions of Scotty Smalls 
And I put and the family, but we've already talked about Dennis Leary. So let's just talk a right. little bit about Scotty and, and, and just our introduction to him. Well, plus, Wes, you got to think it starts out with him as an adult and he's going. And so you already know, like he grows up to be like a baseball announcer or something. They don't really tell you, mm-hmm. but you can kind of tell it's like, oh, man, this guy is I'm thinking he's going to be the main star of the movie. And he's like an adult now. And then, like you said, it transports you back to the early 1960s and you meet him. And then your first reaction is, man, this guy's a loser. <laughs> he really is. That's what I first thought. I was like, man, I hope this guy isn't our protagonist. And then, like ten minutes later, I'm like, man, this guy still is our protagonist. So, <laughs> Gay, Gay, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know where he bought his hat. Like, is it a diving That's board? Is it about. a hat? Like, where did you even get a hat like that? What's the purpose of a hat like what that? Is the that first hat? time a I think it's a fishing hat. The first time a swift breeze comes, it's gonna blow it off your head. Gabe is still in some of my thunder, so I'm gonna let me try to let me try to maneuver through this and and, and bring this home on this hat because uh, the first thing let me let me say this and then then we'll get to the hat. So when Scott when Smalls goes to the Sandlot for the first time, he passes Vincent's drugstore, and that drugstore is located in, in Midville, Utah. And it's it was used five years earlier in Halloween four. It was used in Halloween five. It's been used in several other movies. And I always like when these reoccurring small scale landmarks that they continue to use them and put them in movies. And I just thought that was cool. That drugstore just keeps popping up in, in different movies. Man, that drugstore owner is getting some awesome free advertising. He is. You better he better be some good residual checks. Be like, every time somebody rents it, give me, you know, give me like 10 cents. So, so like I said, on his way the first time, you see the drugstore, but then he's got that freaking hat on that he's wearing with a gigantic bill, and it's, it's the hat is, is flipping amazing. And we usually leave these kind of weird, unexpected stories or directions that we go in on the podcast to um, Buddy the Jet Conway. But I'm going to give this a try uh, really quick and see what I you guys think, think you're ready. Is. Well, this, yeah, this, this is a risk, Wes. Already, we'll this, already, this, already, this already feels pay off. Feel natural, Wes. <laughs> you want me to read what you're going to say? No, no, that's okay. Okay, go ahead. All right, so th- th- this is probably a t- TMI story, but when I was a kid— we used to go to Spencer's Gifts. You know, a lot of malls have those. Because, you know, up front, the store always has cool T-shirts or movie memorabilia, Halloween costumes, all that. It's a kind of inviting for a kid to come in. But then at the back of the store, they also have the movie posters. And then they also have a lot of other stuff that um, that kids don't know exactly what it is. Where is well, I, was, I don't, yeah. We're about to arrive. I was in the store with my mom, and there is this black hat, and it has a bill that's shaped identical to Scotty's hat. Aside from the color and the logo on the front, it's pretty much the exact same hat. Except for on the bill here, there was a plastic slip, and inside the plastic uh, slip, all in a row, were these little packages of cream. (laughs) So I grabbed the hat. And put it on, and you know, I say to my mom, "What? What is this? What? Is, what's in here?" 
And well, of course, now I know that it's got it was some type of lube or body cream. And I just remember mom's face and just that little wince. You know, she's like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll tell you later. The heck First of all, hat I gotta say, what, who would who need would... a hat like this? Hey, I got this new hat. Uh, got my lube up here in case you know. Just keep it out of time. Yeah. And apparently, you, you needed a hat with a huge bill because you were going to be going through a lot of it. Right. That is the most ridiculous hat. I almost want that hat because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> I've got so many things to say about this. Thing number one: why a hat? Cargo shorts have much more space. Yeah, that's where you need to put that. <laughs> that makes no sense. Like, honestly, if you're going for your lube and grabbing out of your hat, people are going to be concerned about you. Like, yeah, they're going to be like, what is that up there? That's my why lube. Why is it in his hat? Like, I mean, if you, it, honestly, if you got a situation where you go for lube out of your hat, I, I, and I'm a girl, I'm gone. I don't know, you know, a situation where that's going to work out favorably for the person. Well, so. The better question is, why is the girl even with you with you wearing that hat? <laughs> or, I don't know. All right, maybe we don't need to keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we we've beat the dead horse. But anyway, uh, every time I see that hat oh, funny. Yeah, on Scotty, good. I always think, you know, what Scotty's lube hat. I know what you're thinking, Wes. You're like, man, I really wish I had bought that damn hat. <laughs> yeah, if I had just bought it, I'd have it. that hat. My life would have changed. Oh, that's awesome. Before we, before we move on to the next scene, I do want to mention that whenever we're kind of getting an introduction to Scotty and the family, we see his stepdad has a nice collection of baseball memorabilia, and including you've got that autographed Babe Ruth baseball sitting up there on the shelf that we get a nice close-up of. Yeah, that's a good scene. And I remember watching that as a kid and being like, who is Babe Ruth? Like, I, I knew about him, but I didn't know too much about him. And then as you watch these film, this film as you get older, you kind of realize, especially as a baseball fan, you're like, oh, wow. Now I know why the father, you know, looked at that as such a cherished um, heirloom and why he, you know, why the kids were so crazy about it. So I thought it was the perfect, you know, item to have where they would be having to go through that journey in the second half of the film. Mm-hmm. You didn't know who Babe Ruth is? You're basically no, Scotty. Team Man grew up as Scotty. Yeah, he grew up as Scotty. No, I knew. I, I literally just said I knew who he was, but I didn't know how, like, all the aspects. Of, you're telling me at 10 years old you knew everything about Babe Ruth? I didn't know everything about Babe Ruth, but I knew it, he was a big deal. Yeah, I, I did too. I didn't <laughs> see you're you're parsing my words here. I hey, said I knew hey, about listen, him, but listen, I didn't Scotty know Small. all aspects about him. Well, should we call you? Should we call you Scott Scotty Wood? Here's and I'm Buddy the Jack you Conway. Did. You're Scotty Wood. <laughs> you can call me. Here's another thing you guys didn't know about me. After Wes didn't buy that hat, I went into Spencer's. I bought that hat. <laughs> I knew you did. Are you wearing it now? <laughs> and I have it. I'm wearing it right now. So. Uh, <laughs> Our next Wes scene is immediately regretting his decision. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I, I that that story. Let's, <laughs> let's forget talk. You know, we're 53 minutes in. Let's not talk about Sandlot. Let's go into this lube hat. The you funny, know, I thought Redbox was going to be a thing. I, this lube hat. Well, the best thing is this was going to be like our PG episode. Actually, this is going to be like our R-rated episode. Yeah, this is the worst one so far. We've been pretty clean otherwise. Yeah. So our next scene that we're going to talk about is just the introduction to the team outside of the drugstore. It looks like they're kind of in an alley, and they're just waiting for, I guess, Benny to get back with with the ball. So wh- so let's talk about the kids here. What do you guys think about the cast of characters we have, and, and, and who is your favorite? 
well, let me pause here and say, I am going to start when somebody introduces me to somebody else, I'm going to start spitting. That's going to be my new thing. Since <laughs> I'm, I like that. Hey, meet Gabe Conway, and they're going to go to shake my hand. I'm just going to spit on the ground. That's my new thing. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work out for you. Well, I mean, that's but, what they did. I'm just that is what they did. did. I do love that aspect though, because like you know, when you're kids, you don't really know like just the rules of society don't always play. Like you don't even know them, or maybe you don't even care, and that's why they're they're spitting. And and I did find that pretty funny. They're like just like what? That's how they say hi. Well, he yeah. already kind of made a fool of himself. We didn't really get into that scene, but he he went out there and you know, uh, made a little bit of a fool out of himself before this. So the kids are already not very excited to meet him. I did want to bring that scene up. Now that you bring that up, I'm glad you did. Because what did y'all think when, okay, they're playing baseball and he just goes out there and he just stands out in the outfield. He's just, he's like, just trying to make friends. Remember his mom was forcing him to. And so, but like, would you find that weird if you're playing baseball and this kid, random kid is just standing out in the middle now in the center field with his glove? I'd be like, who is this guy? Well, I wouldn't have if he didn't have the loop hat on, the shirt <laughs> that's buttoned up to the top, and uh, I don't know, those funky shorts. So that would have, and a plastic glove that he keeps oh, just like smashing glove, his hand in. Right. Oh, that's awesome. I just, that's not the way to do it. That's not how you make friends. You 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 can't just go out into the field. I see what you're saying. You gotta you gotta like stand on the side until they they're like, okay, kid. Hey, yeah. You, you want to come you out here? You, just, it, you gotta. Yeah. You just don't walk out in the outfield. Yeah, but, I was like, man, this guy's creepy. But what about the uh, but but of the kids? Who would you, who <laughs> oh, would be your God. favorite uh, of the kids? Like, which character uh, did you wind up liking the most? For me, it's Squints. I mean, it's always been him. I've always liked him. The kid with the glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just always found him really funny. So he's always been my favorite. I, I'm Buddy more of a the Porter type of guy. I always yeah, wanted to be the catcher, and I wanted to like say the things that he says to batters and get them to whiff. Like he cracks me up the whole movie. He has all the best lines too. See, I always thought he's a little overrated. You know, he's a little too much. Like, it's like, he's just trying too hard. Where Squint's my man, you know, he does things subtle. His comedy's a little more subtle. You know, the things with his glasses, he's always like, <laughs> wife Squint's, his glasses. Squint's, all he does is squint. I mean, he basically just does his name, the whole film. And he's and, got the best scene in the movie, which we're going to get to. We won't say anything yet. I won't say anything about it, but I do, I am going to say something about it. What about the definition of irony is that the, when they, when they do scope out the ball and they're watching it, that squints is the guy that they choose to be the lookout guy. <laughs> the only guy too. with glasses that has to literally squint to see is the lookout guy. And the thing he's looking through, hey, let's just save that for let's the end. I'm got, sorry. Go uh, on. Yeah. But yeah, those, those are, uh, but those, I, all jokes aside, I think those are two, the, the two best characters. Other yeah. than the two. Yeah. I, I, squints was mine too. Um, I, I, his his character is hilarious, and I love the faces that he keeps making during the movie. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But I also like the flashback story that he tells. Yeah. Um, but and I I even have like in my notes I was like I'm a big fan of Hamilton Porter as well because he had some iconic lines. So I think we're in agreement that that Hamilton Porter and Squints of the of the kids are those are our favorite. Yeah, those are the two icons. So moving on, I feel like you feel instant chemistry with all the boys who, by all accounts, 
uh, in real life had a great time together on the set of the movie. They were, of course, got to meet Darth Vader, and but not even Darth Vader could take their attention away from Wendy Peppercorn, played by the lovely Marley Shelton on set. And the kids also, in you know, interviews and things, had bragged about how that they had all snuck in to see Basic Instinct together in theaters, and that really cracked me up. What? Yeah. <laughs> how old are these kids? I mean, they were, you know, like 11, 12, 13. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Basic Instinct, if anybody's seen it, it's, um, it is definitely an, an R-rated movie. And, and so, and team, and you'll know where I'm going with this. They probably took that lube hat. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> man, you know they're about to like, go to the man, movie. I never <laughs> am doing a buddy. I'm never going on a story again. You know they're going. To, they're about to go to Basic Instinct, and they're about to go. You, they're like, man, you know what we need? Smalls, get your hat. So, that, and team, and you'll know where I'm going with it. There's a scene at towards the beginning of Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, which a lot of people consider that the best Friday in the series, but. There's a young Corey Feldman in that movie, and oh, he's yeah. looking out the window yeah, and sees one of these attractive college students changing from across the street. And just his reaction, he's, it's, it's seen, but it also seems like such kind of a, a natural reaction for like a young male to have in that situation. And so I instantly thought about all this group of kids sneaking into Basic Instinct and and just having those types of reactions, you know, they, as Sharon Stone is doing yeah, some of her stuff. That movie is like that movie is a hard R-rated film. That's like at the heyday of the '90s, '80s, '90s erotic thrillers, which we'll have to do a, a series of of podcasts over those um, one day. <laughs> Very underrated, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. That's really funny, though. I like that story. <laughs> Well, I also like during in, in this scene whenever the the kids are uh, he's we're meeting all the characters basically that, that are are going to be with us for the rest of the movie, and they're all and he asks who Babe Ruth is, and they're all given all the nicknames and stuff like that, and of course the big one is the, he, he's the great Bambino, and then Smalls he says, um, oh, I, I thought you said the great Bambi. And then Ham Porter's like, that wimpy deer? I always love that scene. Oh, yeah, that is funny. Hilarious. That's a scene that grinds my gears, to be honest with you. Who hates Bambi? Like, that deer was not a wimp. His mom dies, and he toughs it out. He's not wimpy at all. Strong deer. (laughs) Really strong deer. That's a a bold deer. Well, in in this scene, both Benny and Danunez... Both of them were a Mighty Ducks alumni as well, as they were also in that movie. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So the next scene we'll talk about is uh, Smalls. He comes out to play with the team, who, of course, they're not very happy about it, and everybody's doubting him. And he, of course, makes some blunders. Benny goes out and and pep talks him a little bit. And then Benny hits another fly ball to him directly in his glove. And then he makes the throw because Benny told him about the paper route. And then the team kind of starts accepting him. What would be harder, getting a hole-in-one in golf or what Benny just did where he just hits the baseball directly into this kid's glove so that the team will accept him? That, that, that is really impossible. 
Like, I just don't think it's humanly possible to do that. I mean, did he account for wind blowing? And did he, I mean, that it's, I, I don't think that's a thing. I mean, players, like major league players really can't even call their own shots. You know, there's always the story of Babe Ruth doing that um, in the World Series against the Cubs. And there was actually some dispute whether he actually did that or not. But he was just literally just calling his home run and where it was going. Like, Benny, or Gabe, whichever, whoever the character buddy, is. The, buddy the Jet Conway. Buddy the Jet. Like, he <laughs> said, I'm going to hit it right into this glove. But even though it's it's truly impossible, it's still a great scene because it does show you. It's like It does two things. First, it's like, whoa, Benny is, like, legit. He's the man. And second, it's like, oh, cool. Now he can be friends with him. So I do like how they kind of do both of those things at once. Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, I, I love it. I just thought it was funny just thinking about it. I was like, man, that it would be so incredibly difficult to do. And it really establishes <laughs> Benny here is just this kind of superhero kid who keeps doing these incredible feats over and over as the movie progresses. Let's, yeah, let's we, talk about real quick why he has to do that. Scotty Smalls is so terrible at baseball. Oh, like when the dad goes out there to teach him catch <laughs> and he, and, and he misses those two balls and, and can't throw and runs and puts it in his dad's glove. The same thing happened earlier when they're in the field and he runs and puts it in the glove. Like if that had happened to me and that was my kid, I'd be like, I'd walk right, back in and tell my new wife and I'd be like, I think your kid's broke. <laughs> I can't teach this. And what about Dennis Leary pulling out a, a steak and putting it over his eye? Like, you're just like, what about ice? <laughs> well, this is like, 60, 1962. This is yeah, some kind of home remedy then. Right. They, it's the 60s. They're just like, ah, screw it. Let's just waste this steak. They probably just ate it right after. It's <laughs> on his face. That don't matter. The Germans kid has to be like 10 or 11. I have a five-year-old who can throw better than he does early earlier on, and Wes has seen him. He can hit better than he does well, earlier on. Like also, what about Small? As soon as he makes that catch, all of a sudden he can throw. Like he catches it. Well, he like, tells though, him about right? a paper route that he sort of had, and he said he he helped a guy once, and all he does is remember that, and then suddenly he can throw. Well, I also love Squints here, where he comes up with the iconic line: "The kid is an L." Seven weenie. Come on, Benny, man. The kid is a L7 weenie. Yeah, yeah. Oscar Meyer even. Foot long. Dodger dog. A weenie. Which, as a kid, I had no idea what that meant. Me either. Uh, I, I thought it was some kind of, I was like, I know about Oscar Meyer. I know about uh, big... <laughs> Big Park weenies. What's an L7 weenie? But I looked it up on the Urban Dictionary, Wes. Do you want to know what it is? I, I think we're already a little bit too racy on this episode. So it, it just means that he's a square. Yes. Yeah, I think. Yeah. You take an L next to a seven and it makes a square. Oh, see, I, I thought usually the Urban Dictionary gets us down a uh, road we don't want to be on. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, it just it kind of explained <laughs> it to me. If you take an L and a seven and put it like next to each other, it makes a square like with your hands. I think so he actually even says that right after, doesn't he? He's like, he, he's a yeah, square, he, he doesn't it? Yeah, he's a square, but nothing worse than a square wing. Which is funny because like this is right in the time period of like the 60s, the 50s. That was the big thing. And then, you know, you get the 60s. Not quite the counterculture yet, but that was still kind of a word I'm sure they're using to insult people. 
So next we've got Ham Porter crushing a home run and Scotty tries to climb over a fence and get the ball. And of course the kids all freak out because they don't want him to go over there. And he's like, well, what's, what's the problem? They're like, you know, you can't go over there because of the beast. And they all say camp out. And that of course leads yeah. us to the camp out scene in the treehouse. Great scene. Classic scene. I love the little intro where they're talking about making s'mores. Like, I forgot about that little intro scene when he first gets up there. Hey, you want a s'more? S'more what? No, 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 you want a s'more. I haven't had anything yet. So how can I have some more of nothing? Shut up! You're killing me, Smalls. Oh, he's, he's like, uh, he's like, I haven't had anything yet, so... Yeah. How can I have some more of nothing? I have some more of that. He's like, oh, man, this kid. Yeah, he says, you're killing me, Smalls. Or as, yes. or as Gabe says, you are killing me, Smalls. You are killing me, Smalls. Which is still, like, that may be the most iconic line from this movie. Like, uh, it, it is, yeah, it is. Really it's funny. awesome. It, I just it, want it's them hilarious. to use proper English. thing. And I've got to tell you guys a story. Very seldomly a story happens in line with the movie that we're getting ready to talk about. But... We had um, my in-laws over, and we were making s'mores outside. And Jim, who is, I guess he's, I think he's 71, Rachel's dad. Your father. Making s'mores, and she goes, and Rachel's, Rachel's mom said, Jim, do you want s'mores? And he goes, what are s'mores? And I go, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> and he goes, and he didn't know what that was from. So not only did he not know what s'mores was, he hadn't seen the Sandlot. And I was, and and his, even his her mom was like cracking up because she was like, "How have you lived this long?" <laughs> right. And so that uh, well, I, I mean, I, yeah, I think which I can understand how he hadn't seen it because you know he's a prior generation time frame, but. Yeah, a lot of people, even if you're not from that time period, still a lot of people do know about um, this film. Well, during the treehouse, we also get squints telling the story of Mr. Myrtle and the Beast. And I love how they do this this grainy black and white footage. And it just matches the the over-the-top story that he's telling so well. And I just love how this sets up the antagonist for the rest of the movie. You've got the mean old yeah. man who feeds kids to the huge dog, the beast. It's just a ridiculous—yeah, I'd forgotten that they do that, like, black-and-white little film. And the film grain is really funny how they kind of make it so old, like, right out of, like, the 1920s silent film era. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, like—they've got—the to- cops have Tommy guns. Yes. And the dog is, like, so gigantic. It's ridiculous. Like, it's so over the top. But it fits because he's just telling a story out of his own mind. Most of it made up, of course. So I, I do think that was really ingenious how they kind of do that. Get you really wrapped in the story. And then, of course, you can't forget about the, the ending of the story where he's doing like forever over and over again. <laughs> forever. Yes. Myrtle asked the cops how long he had to keep the beast chained up like a slave. He said until forever. 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 I can tell uh, you what great. I stole from this is the upside down flashlight when you're telling ghost stories because he did that up right yes. under his face 
I love yeah. Shadow it cast with the glasses too. It's it's just it's just this is just a great great scene yeah. of the movie. But let's and talk I, about real quick the story he tells. So the B story: the dog kills a hundred and seventy three guys <laughs> breaking into a junkyard. Junkyard? What's in that junkyard? That's what I want to know. I don't know seven guys that would break into a junkyard. <laughs> I don't know less, one. A hundred you know and six. They show that town and it's a lot a of junkyard. I'm going to say this, and I don't mean to do this on this podcast all the time, but there's some holes in Squince's story. I mean, yeah, look at that sure. town, and I don't think there's 173 people in that town. So I think Squince is a liar. That's why I'm not he a fan of Squince. 120 <laughs> to 170. So he, he gives him some room to maneuver there. It's a pretty right. big gap. But I would say this, to your point, Gabe, about breaking into a junkyard, it's literally in the title. It's junk in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, why are so many people breaking into it? Especially at this point, you would think if 170 people have died in this junkyard, that's got to be out there in the, you know, people are talking about it. So sooner or later, you know, these guys would probably stop doing that. Yeah. I mean, I've got this little old guy that lives across the way that has been, I've noticed, like on trash day, he'll sneak his, he like only has like one or two bags. So I guess he just doesn't want to pay for trash service. So he sneaks his trash into my trash bags and I just let it happen. But that's the only reason I can think to break into trash. I was like, like, why, what do you do? What are you going for here? Um, I, I don't know, but I just, I, I might need what to a, edit that story out, but <laughs> I love, I love Gabe's trash uh, trash day stories. Those are always the best. Well, I do have uh, this so about the treehouse. Like that is one gigantic treehouse. Well, here that, that that's exactly what I was about to do. Okay, yeah. So the save your save your reaction for this. I was going to drop a little knowledge about that. So the, the tree actually has a story. This is what the director says. We were looking at having to buy an oak tree and a specimen that big, if you could even find one is a hundred hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy. And this is what he's telling the story of um, Sports Illustrated because they wanted to have a scene of the treehouse, but it had to be large enough to fit all nine kids and be believable. And so he says what happened is they, of course, didn't have the budget to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy a big oak tree and relocate it where they needed it. So they noticed a big tree being chopped down not far from the production offices. It was a hundred-year-old oak tree, and it was interfering with the foundation of the house that it was planted next to. So the man removing it agreed just to give it to the crew, and the Salt Lake City's utility companies you know, took down the power and telephone lines on certain streets so that the tree could be hauled safely to the empty lot where filming was taking place. Then they cemented the tree into the ground, and it became an iconic part of the movie. Ah, oh, that is interesting. I wondered, like, man, this is a gigantic treehouse, and, like, who are these people that live right beside it? They didn't seem to care. These kids were always, like, right there. That's the, always, that's the other thing I kind of looked at throughout the movie. Well, it's, it's like at the they... back of the sandlot, right? So I think, I guess it was supposed to be part of that, the property, which is probably I guess so, yeah. Oh, man, I mean, you just ruined the treehouse. Like that was my dream treehouse. Like I was convinced that it was buildable in a real <laughs> tree, and you just took that away from no. me because no, I like always house. wanted a drawbridge I, I from my deck. To, 
to a treehouse in my backyard, and now I don't believe I can do it. So whatever. No, you can. You just have to find somebody chopping down a hundred um, year old oak tree, and That's you know, get with the Warren County a utility company to to be able to haul this tree, you know, to to and cement it into the ground and cement it into the ground, and then build the treehouse. So then build the treehouse. You've got you've got some work to do, Gabe. I think they do that on Treehouse uh, Impossible or something. I don't know. I'll look into it. I'll report back. So, so our next scene we're going to focus in on is we've got Squints and we the best character in the movie, and we've got Yeah Yeah, and they're picking up a baseball. And this is our the first time that we we meet Wendy Peppercorn. Whoa! Give it to me. Jeez Louise! What's the matter? Down the line, wondering where, wondering where, wondering where she is found. Wendy Peppercorn. course we found out that squints is in love with her and every time you see wendy in the movie there's a song by the trip the drifters that is played the boys after that you know squints and yeah bring the ball and the boys are trying to play ball but it's just way too hot so they go to the pool well let's pause though before we go there let's talk about the way wendy peppercorn looks at squints yeah look i'm a big women's advocate and all that you know (laughs) We all she are. shouldn't be uh, looking at that little point. boy that way. She noticed really, him, noticed really her, shouldn't. and she was just making his day. Also, that's another thing I did notice, Gabe, that. And then I noticed that the camera literally cuts straight to her butt. Yeah, <laughs> it is a, like a shot. It's not of a shot of her. It literally is of her butt. And this is a kid's movie. And well, I was thinking, man, kid's movies sure have changed. It, well, in real life, that that scene actually caused some problems with with parents, and there was a lot of, of parents who were very upset about that particular scene. So it's kind of funny you guys bring that up. I can see it. I was a little, I was like, a little upset. It was like Gabe was upset, and um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, what? <laughs> that's an interesting editing right there. Here we are at the pool, and uh, you know the boys go into the pool, and I'm just gonna say I. I personally feel like all of this is is the best sequence of the movie. Oh, for and sure. I love the the boys are are watching Wendy, and she's you know putting her her suntan lotion on, and uh, you know they say uh, you know she don't know what she's doing, and then Benny says yes she does, she knows exactly what she's doing, and there's a similar scene that is in Cool Hand Luke, and that's they were homaging the Cool Hand Luke scene. Right. Yeah. But in a kids' movie version, that's right. And then you've got <laughs> Ham, he, Ham Porter. Uh, he's he's flexing to the girls as they're all laying out, and then he cannonballs into the water and soaks them all. I got a I got a good laugh out of that again. That's how I get girls to like me. And then of course we've got Squints. He he half drowns himself just to get to make out w- with Wendy. Everybody move back. Roll him over. Never mind. Never mind. Squints, come on, Squints, come on, Squints, come on, Squints, 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 come on, Squints, come on, come 
This is this whole part is just it's iconic in the movie, and I'll, he makes the, the faces I was talking about earlier. On his way up to the diving board, he turns and he he gives him this hilarious look, and then um, he goes off the diving board and he's just floating at the bottom of the pool there. And Wendy dives in and gets him, and then they start the CPR. And I love how whenever they get out of the water, he's just holding his glasses. Have y'all ever noticed that? He's just holding them, and no one ever notices. Well, he's, they think he's dying. Right, right. They're like, they don't even a, you know, pay attention. He's just holding them. Like, wait, right. something's up here. That's a red flag for, l- let me tell you guys, but I need to do this. I was the only lifeguard of the group, and I was a lifeguard in um, at the end of high school. And if you're holding glasses, you're breathing, and you don't need CPR. So that was a hole in the plot. Once again, Squints is a liar. We can go into that in a different story, but I will tell you, you know, when I was a lifeguard, I always, you know, I always had the same dream squints did, except for I was the lifeguard. I was always hoping, you know, some hot girl would, you know, need CPR and I would have to be there to to give the CPR. And, you know, so I kind of wanted the opposite of a squints dream, you know, Hmm, you guys follow me. I'm with you. I'm with you. I can see that. But then when I finally did have to, it was like an 80-year-old man, but then I didn't have to give CPR. But I was about to have to give CPR. So I feel like that's the ultimate little kid story. Like, I almost, the only almost time I had to. What do you mean, Gabe? You got to save a life that wasn't good enough for you? Not only did you have to save a life, it had to be a hot woman that was going to be like a supermodel. Is that what you're saying here? No, I mean, that was just a dream. And then (laughs) it went a different direction. I was still going to do, we, you know, I was still going to perform the CPR. I was just, it just didn't go my way. Under, under protest, right? You're like, gosh, shit. Yeah, I, it was, it was well, a, under a little protest. I'm not going <laughs> to. Well, we, uh, I also love the quote here that we get from Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of his funniest quotes while he's just laying there. And, you know, you hear people who are, oh, he looks like a dead fish. And, and then Yeah, yeah says, yeah, yeah, he looks pretty crappy. Yeah, that's crappy, good. Man. The whole scene when he comes out of the water is shot really well. Like that's actually really well directed because it's like you're getting the tension, you're getting the the, the quotes, and then of course Squints opens up his eyes and smiles. That yes, smile smile is the best. And they're all like, "What?" They're like, "What?" And then of course there's the scene where he starts uh, kissing. Um, but so it's just it's just great. Yeah, I love when he grabs and pulls her in, and he's it, that's like. I mean, that kid, he's a might hero be, still. He'd be assault. We're not sure. Um, we won't go into <laughs> it. Uh, we're, not, we're not sure. I guess in the 60s, they're just like, ah, kids will be kids, right? I mean, he just got, he gets banned from the pool. I mean, he gets what's coming. <laughs> yeah, they all, all get banned from the pool forever is what it says. But it's just, like we said, it's just an iconic scene. So after this scene, we get a few filler scenes in the middle of the story. We got 
the Fourth of July scene. We've got playing the rival Little League team, and then we've got after they beat the rival Little League team, they go to the the fair and celebrate with some uh, chewing tobacco. So, uh, out of these three scenes, what do what do you guys got? I I do love what's the the fireworks scene Fourth of July. I've always loved that scene a lot. Just the music is that Ray Charles singing? I was trying to figure that out. Isn't that him singing? Yes, it version is version of that song, which is so good. Yeah, I love Ray Charles. That's what I thought. I was thinking. I was like, man, I, I'm pretty. I was pretty sure it was, but I wasn't 100 percent sure. And just the fireworks and them like kind of watching, and mm-hmm. it just kind of brings me back, and it, it always makes me feel like this whole setting, this time period is just like pure Americana. You know, you're living in the mm-hmm. suburbs, the the cookouts, the fireworks, playing baseball. I just love it so much because it, you know, it brings that nostalgia back of, you know, just, the, um, like I said, just kind of that Americana feeling. There was only one night game a year. On the 4th of July, the whole sky would brighten up with fireworks, giving us just enough light for a game. We played our best then, because I guess we all felt like the big leaguers under the lights of some great stadium. Benny felt like that all the time. We all knew he was going to go on to bigger and better games, because every time we stopped to watch the sky on those nights, like regular kids, he was there to call us back. You see, for us, baseball was a game. But for Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez, baseball was life. But now, wait a minute. I'm talking about America. Sweet America. You know, God done shed his grace on thee. He crowned that good. Yes, he did. Heavy brotherhood. So that was, it, that's my favorite of those scenes. It's so much America, it hurts. Yeah, it, it is, for sure. And the Ray Charles song just makes it so much uh, evocative of that, I think. Mm-hmm. I like how it goes from one montage into another montage. It's the 4th of July montage, then bam, then sliding for like five minutes in the in the game montage. <laughs> hey, never, under, never underestimate a back-to-back montage. That's when you know they're bringing it. They are, I, you, you know, my feeling on a montage. I want my life. I want my life story later on when I, before I die and in just one giant montage. But I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I love both of those sequences, but the best part about the kids game is my boy, Ham Porter, you know, throwing those insults out there. My, I'll say, I, I wasn't going to say any of them, but I will say my favorite insult is uh, some oh man, I hate it when I don't remember how quotes go and I'm about to say them. Uh, what is it? You can shave your mom so ugly she shaved your dog's butt and taught her to walk backwards or something like that. No, I, th- I don't think that's right, but I mean you're right. Over- <laughs> Hold on. You're, you're if, close enough. If I was as ugly as you, I'd shave my dog's butt and teach it to walk backwards. Something like that. There you go. Hey, that's I think that's closer. But of course, a lot of people do remember the the insult. Um, the, the insult scene. Yeah, it's easy when you play with a bunch of rejects and uh, fat kids, Rodriguez. Shut your mouth, Phillips. Would you say crap face? I said you shouldn't even be allowed to touch a baseball. 
Except for Rodriguez, you're all an insult to the game. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! You plan a real diamond porter? You ain't good enough to lick the dirt off our cleats. Watch it, jerk! Shut up, idiot! Moron! Scab eater! Butt sniffer! Puss licker! Fart smeller! You eat dog crap for breakfast, geek! You mix your weeds with your mama's toe jam! Yeah! You bob for apples in the toilet! And you like it! You play ball like a girl! I think they even try to recreate it in the sequel, which I've never seen that. I, I did see uh, that scene, and I was like, this is just, like, I'm, I will never watch this movie. It, it looks yeah. so bad. But for me, I think for insult scenes, I'm going to give the one where Casey Jones and Donatello are fixing the truck in, on, the, on, the, on the old farm. Not even close, Sipnick. Professor and Marianne, happily ever after. <laughs> no way, Atomic Mouth. Gilgan was her main man. They'd be married and have six kids by now. Uh, Gilgan was a geek, Barfaroni. You're the geek, Camel Breath. The dome head. Al <laughs> Flips. Let's give this a try. See if this transplant work. Fungoid. All right, here goes. What are we on? Uh, G. Here goes, Gackface. I'm ready, hose brain. I'm gonna give that insult scene. I think this is a. It's a little bit better than the ham porter versus the little league kid. Oh uh, no! Guys, no. What about, hey, about guys? What about rookie of the year? There's also an insult scene in that when he remember he's uh, like mocking the yes. pitcher. Oh, there is. Yeah, got some good insult scenes here. Well, I'm going to stick with Sandlot, but in like the theme that we brought out earlier, I'm not trying to irritate Ninja Turtles in case I miss them. I will slightly agree with Wes. Or, or meet him. Meet him, not miss him. Meet him later in life. <laughs> what? Well, a... Yeah, go ahead, Wes. I was going to say, I also like here where, um, you know, uh, Ham Porter fires off the, you play ball like a girl. Girl, and that's the ultimate insult. Yeah, it's yeah. like the, the ultimate insult, and I had forgot about that. And my thought was immediately, just with the things are uh, today, I was like, "Man, times have certainly changed." That that line would not be with, allowed within a hundred miles of a studio now. It would not be in the film. It definitely would not be the 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 insult that like makes him the maddest. Right. Nope. It, he like, would probably be like, like he'd probably like, be like that was the mic drop insult. Yeah, back I didn't then, understand that. I thought like, that guy had really hit a home run earlier with the insult, you bob apples in the toilet, and you like it. I thought that guy hit a home run, but they cheered for the other thing. <laughs> yeah, if it was today, they would, the guy would be like, you know what, you're right, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> so, uh, so then also, I, I don't want us to gloss over this because this is a, a big scene in the movie as well. They, so they kick the crap out of the Little League team. They go to the fair. They're, they're, they get on a, a tilt-a-whirl, and they've all been doing tobacco. Chaw! I was saving it for a good time. What is it? Big Chief. The best. Oh, and then, of course, this starts... I, it's oh, kind of like I, another montage of vomiting. Like this scene, I do not like. It. I cannot. Nah, I'm not a fan. I watch it. Like I literally could not watch it. 
We had this we had this kid when I played soccer that tried dip for the first time in the back of the bus. And you remember how those buses didn't have air conditioning? And he had never done it before. And the buses were bumpy. And I, all I remember is he ended up throwing up in his soccer bag. Oh. oh and yeah. it stunk because it was hot and bumpy on that bus. And it just reminds me of this scene. But, yeah, but- it's. Right. What I, the only thing that I'll say that I do like about because it, it is a pretty it is a pretty gross scene and they actually edited that out during the TV version of the movie. You just really? hear them vomiting, oh. but it just shows right. just the tilt whirl spinning. It doesn't actually show it. Right. I wish I would watch the TV version. <laughs> yeah. But what I do like about the scene is this just seems like something boys that age, would especially do. in the nineties, get the people that are our age now would do. And that's, that's what I I did like about it. Yeah. So uh, the next scene we get into is we got uh, Benny. He, he hits a ball so hard he knocks the cover off of it. And so this really sets up our third act here where Smalls goes home. He steals the Babe Ruth ball from his stepdad's trophy case and he brings it back to play with it. And of course, as Faye would have it, he hits his first home run and now the ball is the beasts and he is now in a pickle, a big pickle. Uh, and Gabe, I think we, as we've established that you've been in a few pickles. Yeah. Well, can, can we pause to talk about how this is the most, I, you say that we ruin movies, but this was the foreshadowing of movie ever. It kept telling you that he was going to get into <laughs> this many, pickle. He so told, he told you about the, and the time I got in the biggest pickle. And he got me out of the biggest pickle I'd ever be in. There ever was. I, he ruined the movie for me. I knew what was going to happen. And then when he got in the pickle, he said it again. But you yeah, didn't know what I, kind of pickle. I literally noticed. Then the first like five minutes of the movie, he literally repeats the same line. I was about to get in the biggest pickle of my <laughs> life. Three minutes goes by, and I'm about to get the biggest There's pickle. There's a pickle coming up. <laughs> I was like and thinking, another I was like, two Mish. minutes goes by, and later on in this movie, don't forget about the pickle. Well, I was thinking, I was like, maybe they could have like edited out one of those. They probably didn't need those like back to back. But anyway, yeah, you, you're 100 percent right, Gary. That's pretty funny. So of course, after he hits it over, he finds out, you know, who Babe Ruth is. He's the great Bambino, and so they come up with this elaborate plan to get the ball back. And I can't help but just feel like there's a little bit of Home Alone influence here. You know, you're probably right, Wes, because Home Alone was what was it ninety nineteen ninety? Not ninety, just yeah, yep. three. This is Three yeah. years, you writing the script. You know it is because literally the last third of this movie, or at least the next twenty minutes of the last third, is them like doing all these cockamamie like like plans, <laughs> trying to like all these gadgets, and it gets a little weird after a while. It's like where is the this worst gadget? That vacuum, that triple vacuum gadget. So they can't <laughs> get ninety nine cents for a ball, but you can get three <laughs> vacuums that don't apparently. Yeah. Don't have an off switch like they Ooh. freak out when it starts like imploding or he bends the pipe. And I'm like, turn the vacuums off, just turn them off. I was also turn. noticing, like, I was watching because I saw these houses around there. It's like nobody just watching all these kids for days on end, like, doing all these weird things over this. It's like, are people how... not concerned? Yeah, it was like, man, this is getting really strange. It's so but... funny how, whenever you're like, as an adult, you look back with. And because that's what we do. I mean, we are 
uh, novice, but we are movie critics. And so when you look back at a movie like a movie like this, that's just meant to just not think about these things, right? Sit back and watch, have a good time with it. But you can't help but look at stuff with a critical eye and just and just ask these questions. Right. It's like you say, Wes, they didn't make it to hold up to this type of criticism because at the end of the day, it's a kid's movie. But it is funny to like talk about those things. It's like, man, what <laughs> is it? Nobody going to come over and just be like, hey, what are y'all doing? Yeah. What, what is up? What is I up with you guys this? carrying 9,000 Richter sets over to this tree? What's what's up? Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. Did, I did like watching all the ideas that they came up with. Um I did. I, I did think it was a fun part no. of the movie. It, it's a great part of the movie. I do love it. Like, remember, okay, we were talking about squids. They have him as the lookout. <laughs> yes. Probably not yeah. the best guy. Plus, what was his lookout device? It was just a cereal box. Yeah. Like, I, they're not it was a cereal box. We made those as kids with two sets of mirrors that he was, like, kind of looking up. I didn't even see a mirror in there. I don't think he, no, I think he was, was looking at the end of the cereal box. I mean, honestly, was. that kid couldn't see. He I mean, couldn't see. I, I don't, I don't so, know what that was. Another thing was I got to bring this up because I kept looking, like, kind of – visioning this when i was watching the movie is the beast okay and i think maybe they do on purpose but why is the beast so gigantic for most of the movie to keep on the theme i mean he looks like ninja turtle who spilled on him the whole movie but then when he jumps over he's just a normal sized dog (laughs) well he's not a he's not a normal sized dog he was actually a mastiff which is one of the biggest dogs there is but um i am glad that they just for that that ending chase i am glad they kind of switched over to like a like a real dog to make that they had to yeah it made it much more realistic can you imagine them trying to shoot that scene with some kind of that gigantic (laughs) puppet dog i had to bring in stan winston and like the best special (laughs) like you know after may he was working on jurassic park the same year and can you make can you stan can you make a gigantic uh english dog um, to to chase this kid, he would have been like, uh, "No, I'm good." <laughs> the Sandlot? No, I'm good, man. But I do think, I do think it kind of serves a purpose, though. If you really kind of think back over the movie, is like especially from the story that Squints told on until you actually see him, is he is supposed to be kind of your nightmare as a kid, like the thing that right. you're just scared of. And so I think they do that on purpose in a way of like making him so gigantic, and then when you actually see him. It's like, well, while you said, like you said, Wes, it's a huge dog. It is still just a dog. Right, right. So um, next, there's only a couple more scenes I want to talk about, but the next one is, I think is the second best scene of the movie, is where Benny has a dream, and he's visited by Babe Ruth. And uh, where Babe says, you know, just go and get it. Yeah, that's a great scene. I forgot about that scene. And I think that guy's in Field of Dreams. Art LaFleur, yes. I believe, is yeah. his name. I'm going to give it a got, shot. Heroes he live ass. forever, but legends never die. Oh, there you go. Did I do it? I think you, you got, got it. I think you nailed that one. It felt, yeah, I think you got it, man. Good job. You know what to do after I say it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. Of me. Also, oh, like, I, love that. I love that quote. So I, uh, that's my favorite favorite quote in the movie. I also like where, um, you know, Babe Ruth says to Benny, he says, uh, I don't know why, but can I have this? And he's referring to Hank Aaron's baseball card. 
Yep. And of course, Hank Aaron yep. wound up breaking his his home run record. So I thought that was a, a cool little touch they did. Yeah, that was a good scene, and I do like that aspect where it kind of breaks it up because then it goes into the scene where Benny decides to take it on his own, which it was always leading to that because, like you said earlier in the in the episode, West, where Benny has been kind of set up as this legend, and mm-hmm. here he's about to prove it. And uh, that's a perfect transition to where he actually does hop over the fence, grab the ball, and uh, jumps back over. And, of course, all the kids are celebrating, and then you get uh, the beast jumps over the fence, and this huge chase scene ensues. And I love this chase scene. I've always loved it. First of all, great choice of music. They get great music in it. And it's just filmed really well where Benny's running. First of all, how much does Benny run in this town? Like, first of all, really It's like two miles. Yeah, he's in really good condition, so I give him props on that. Um, he always managed to outrun this dog, which is quite incredible, really, if you think about it. Uh, this dog causes mass havoc in this town, where the police, obviously nowhere to be found, uh, literally destroys a movie theater. Remember, like, I forgot about that. Yeah, they they go through it. And Wes, <laughs> I mean, Wes talked about how, damage. what was the horror movie you said, you don't like it when they torture people just to torture people you know on a on a, i think that was like uh 28, 28 weeks, weeks later, later. yeah, yeah 28 I mean, weeks those more cake makers they show those two chefs with that cake you know it just it tortures you just to torture you he, he jumps over he doesn't knock over the cake the dog jumps over he doesn't knock over the cake they, <laughs> they have a sigh of relief and then all of a sudden bam it catapults the cake into the air and uh and it that's great don't we have a lot of these scenes, though, where in movies the cake gets knocked over? I feel like you see that over and over. Like, it's like going back to uh, probably like Charlie Chaplin. I'm sure he did it. Or Buster Keaton. It's like just so obvious. Like you knew literally when you saw that huge cake what, what was going to happen to it. It's like, you know, it's almost like the screenwriter is like, man, I need something funny here. He's like, I'm pulling it out, guys. Pulling cake. out the old, the old Charlie Chaplin cake We're trick. Pulling yeah. out the pie face. I did like, though, I did like how they were intercutting the Wolfman, of course, the famous, iconic, uh, uh, like, 1940s version of that film, interspersing it with him running. Yes. I don't know if it yes, worked, but it that was great. Worked. And then, of course, the beast busts through the screen and just literally destroys that theater. Um, so that was good, too. And then, so after the the, the, the chase scene, it ends with the... the, the the fence falling over him and the kids, you know, Scotty wants to get him out and the kids get him out and they, they kind of make friends and they bring the dog back to Mr. Myrtle, who, like we've already said, turns out to be Darth Vader. Oh, and, it's all Wes, real quick for yeah, 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 go ahead. I did want to mention one other thing that I met, that I caught in this race. So towards the end of the race where Benny is like, uh, meet me back at the Sandlot. Squint, Squint comes back to us and literally yells at the screen. He's like, come on, guys, I've got a shortcut. Go into the Sandlot. And I thought that was a cool thing that they did where it's kind of like he's yelling at us as the audience, of course. Then it would have been kids of like, hey, come on, we're going back to the Sandlot um, to like get the get you back into it. So I thought that was really mm-hmm. a cool test. I never noticed that. Yeah, I literally just noticed it this time. And I was like, oh, that was pretty cool that they did that way. So we're we're back where we're talking about them, you know, meeting Darth Vader, and uh, he turns out he's a nice man, and he says he would have just gotten the ball from him for <laughs> him, 
And I love that. I love that they put in there. That was a hilarious, that was a great writer's choice. Another reason and, to hate squints, because squints lied to them all. <laughs> he didn't know about them eating 170 some odd people. It's, it's just kind of. And that's your squints favorite character. Squints is definitely in jail at this point. Let's be honest. Squints like, is a liar. Legit. And then so uh, they wind up, you know, they they find out that he was a, a player. They talk some baseball and uh, they he, uh, you know, tells them that he, oh, I know George. And he winds up giving him a 1927 murderer's row Yankees ball to replace the one for Babe Ruth. Yeah, which is awesome. First of all, this guy just has that like hanging around like, here you go. You can have it. That's pretty cool. And Honestly, then, if I'm his dad, I'm not even mad. I would bow to him. I'd be like, you did all this, and uh, he gets grounded for two weeks. But I don't think that he should have. I mean, he got him a better ball. He should have just apologized for not playing catch earlier yeah. and being a douchebag <laughs> stepdad. <laughs> Gabe does not like this stepdad. Not at all. Not at all. And then, of course, we've got the, we've got the, the end of the movie after this. All, everything is right. And he talks about how the kids move off and, and do different things. And then the story ends with Scotty Smalls, now a baseball announcer, and he's announcing Benny the Jet Rodriguez. And what's Benny doing? He's doing the same thing that the movie opened with. He uh, is trying to steal home, caught in a rundown. And uh, there's actually one in the middle of the movie too. So there's three rundown scenes. Isn't the run? Isn't a rundown Benny. also called a pickle? Yeah, it's a, a pick off pickle. Yeah, that it, so I see what they did there. You know, they said the word pickle a bunch. Yeah, I like got it. Him in. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, get it. I see it. I see it. Yeah, they do do that several times where he's like <laughs> in that runoff. That's kind of his his uh, go to move. Yeah, they're just they're just setting setting it up for the ending, and then I love that that gigantic Don Mattingly uh, stash that Benny's rocking. Oh, I always remember that. It's awesome. Like Benny styling, I like it, man. It looks good on him. And and you know, I've always been told that when people look for a strong, capable man, they should always look for a man that has a great mustache. So look no further than Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Benny, great I, I remember man. when you shaved a, a mustache onto your face, Wes, and 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 FaceTimed us. I, I really liked it. I did it, and I and waited for my wife to come home and said, "It's a me, Mario." And she did not. She didn't even find no, it. No, didn't like, like it. it. No. But here, a couple of things about this ending. First, Small still wearing that hat. Really, he still has that hat thirty man. years later, and he wears it <laughs> all the time. Like, really, man? What is a You don't have a new hat? And also, how long has uh, Benny been carrying Smalls, really? Like, his whole life, Smalls has just been, like, hanging around. He gives him his glove, gives him his hat. I mean, this guy's got to be sick of Smalls. I'd be like, he's got to be sick of him. He's like, hey, man, are you ever going to buy a new hat? He's like, no. Are you ever going to get away from me? No. Well, I, I don't know. Benny seems like it. He gives him the thumbs up. That ending, I cracked up laughing when they're both doing that thumbs up. <laughs> I'm like, is that a thing? Was that a thing? Did people do that? People like, are looking around at him in the announcer's booth. Who are you thumb up at? Who are you thumb are you up doing? Maybe we should bring it back. Like, instead of handshakes for COVID, bring back the thumbs up. I miss it. 
I'm going to spit when I get introduced to people, and I'm going to thumbs up from now on. Everybody's okay, mustache. My thing is the thumbs up. Wes is the mustache. Yours is the spit. We all got our things. Okay. We've all gleaned something from the Sandlot to incorporate into our lives. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. If you, teach you can you learn something. some real... Remember, Wes, I talked about it. These movies teach you life lessons. Um, <laughs> I think that might have backfired after we watched this movie. But now that I'm thinking about it, we all got some stuff that we're going to work on. <laughs> so just to, just to kind of close the episode out real quick, um, just... I know we, we've done a lot of joking on this episode, but I think all of us really like the movie, really enjoy it. And I would say we all agree that it, it still holds up really well. But uh, just go round table real quick. Just give us your closing thoughts on the movie. Yeah, Wes, I, I'm 100% with you. I watched it, hadn't watched it in years, but it really does hold up really well. It's still funny. You still really relate to the kids. You still kind of get drawn into there, as Gabe talked about, all these many pickles that they get into. And it kind of just transports you back to that time in your life, like I talked about, how you're a kid and you're just enjoying that and you just love to hang out with your friends, play sports. And I think that's what that movie really does draw out, is just how much fun it is to just go and play and have fun with your friends. And so, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed rewatching it. While I wasn't happy that rookie of the year didn't get didn't get the win, hopefully one day we can do that film too. Um, this was not a bad consolation prize at all. It just reminds me of pick me being in pickles, and I'd be remiss if I didn't tell the fans because I wondered. It, it also taught me a lesson that if I really, you know, that Squints did something right because later on after the end of the flick it tells you that him and Wendy Peppercorn get married yeah. and it, and they have eight kids. So he did well, do something right. That's how you do get girls. You fake uh, around. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we want our listeners to abide by that. Yeah, that well, we'll put a uh, discretionary advisor on that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, same for me. I've, I told my love for the movie at the very beginning of it, so I don't have a whole lot more to say, but... Uh, I will just say I'm glad that we went with the Sandlot. I hope everybody enjoyed our uh, ridiculous analysis of the movie. But, again, this is a kid's movie. It's a little bit more difficult, I think, to to do and talk about as opposed to, you know, some of the classics that we've talked about on on previous right. episodes because, again, these, this is – it's it's aimed for kids. We're adults talking about it. But uh, I, this was probably the most laid back that I've been in any of the episodes I just – uh, I thought this was really fun and, and enjoyed listening um, to your guys' thoughts on it. Yeah, same here. And I think you make a great point, Wes. These movies are difficult to to kind of analyze or review because they are for kids. They're not meant to like – because we even kind of joked about that earlier. Like they're not meant to have like weighty themes or – it's hard to analyze them and really kind of discover new aspects to it. Or what was the filmmaker thinking? Because at the end of the day, it's really a comedy for kids, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you still can't, you know, kind of glean stuff from it and really have fun with it. And just from all these polls and fan reactions, you can tell that Sandlot uh, holds a sway over people. Still people mm -hmm. still really Absolutely. enjoy it, which is actually pretty cool. If you think about it. Uh, yeah, and I do want to say this, all joking aside, I love The Sandlot, and I probably watched it more than any other sports movie, so I will say what I said during Jurassic Park with it, so I do love the movie, I do love to joke about the scenes, 
And just in case Wes doesn't edit this out, lever. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> now, guys, I don't know if we, we, we mentioned it a little bit. So what is y'all's favorite scene? Um, what would y'all say would be the number one scene that, that when, you re-watch, when you rewatched it this last time? The, the pool scene. Me, yeah. it's easy. It's the when the dog jumps through the theater, through the middle of the, um, through the middle of the screen. Ah, so so Wes, you're going with the pool scene, which is kind of mine too. I think that's like the best scene overall. And Gabe, you're going for the theater scene. I would say my number two. I would scene, say the whole of, chase scene, but that's I, what I, I was going to say. Yep, I love that chase scene. I think it's really well done. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this episode up. We thank everybody for listening, and we've got a special announcement. So I want to let everybody know what we're going to be doing over the next couple of episodes so you know what to expect from Real Talk, a movie podcast. Uh, next week, we there is a new independent film that's called We Are the Missing, and you can find that film on YouTube for free. And we're going to have the lead actor and the lead actress from that movie they're going to come on real talk a movie podcast and they're just going to talk to us we're going to do an interview they're going to promote the movie so stay tuned for that and then the fourth of july is right around the corner and we just wouldn't be doing the fourth of july right if we didn't do a full episode on this movie so episode eight is going to be none other than 1996's independence day which we'll make sure we have that available by July 2nd, which is the date that that movie starts on. So anyway, hope uh, you guys are excited about that. And like I said, the interview will just kind of be a bonus episode, and then uh, we'll go into Independence Day, and that'll, that'll take us through the 4th of July. So we're, of course, trying to grow our podcast and make it a success, and we encourage you to su- subscribe to our show, and you can find it on all major podcast directories. If you like what you hear, we'd love if you would leave us a five-star review and a review. Uh, several of you have left reviews. I think there's six or seven out there. We appreciate those so much. I've really enjoyed reading them, so um, would love if a few more of you would do that. And here's where you can find us. You can find us on Twitter at Real Talk Movie Cast. That's at Real, R-E-E-L, underscore cast. And then Gabe runs a great Facebook page where uh, we got to do a little bit of Rookie of the Year versus Sandlot before this episode, and we have other discussions. And that's just Real Talk, a movie podcast page, and that's at Real Talk Movie Podcast. So that's all we've got for Episode 7. Take care.